welcome everybody. That was really helpful for me. I'm Jocelyn Kane, and I'm the director of the Entertainment Commission. I'm going to have these guys introduce themselves and the title of this, which was supposed to be a community conversation, as you see. And so what I'd like to do is sort of make sure that you'll feel like we're not talking at you. And I want to have a lot of you know, time for you to talk at us. The Changing Landscape of San Francisco Nightlife, we made that title up as I was driving down the road to Palm Springs on Thursday. So I don't really know what that means other than what we really want to do, and it's a serious issue, is do the right thing. At the, I mean, I work for the government, and I'm here to help you. That guy over there actually makes laws, and he's here to listen to you, I hope. Mark always fights the good fight, and he'll tell you what he does. But I do want to hear from you guys. We know what we're doing, what we think we're, we know, what you need and what is best for you. But frankly, I've never asked you, so that's what I'm doing here. Mark? Mark Rennie. I'm a permit expediter attorney, do a little bit of entertainment law. And I've been doing it a lot. I moved to South of Market in the late 70s, and actually Freddie Hahn, before I moved to those South of Market, Freddie and I were friends. I, ha- I represent Slim's Great American Music Hall, DNA sometimes, uh, Chapel. Yell out, yell out a venue. He's done yeah. work for right. Just yell it out. Huh? Club Nine. Club Nine. I owned a place called Club Nine where Courtney Love was the coat check girl and uh, Chris Isaac was the house band and Freddie was the uh, parole officer still. But I, I work with, I work day to day. I have the perspective of seeing it. Um, I think uh, 1015 Folsom goes back to 1985. I did the after hours permit in 1015. So it's a long history of going through. 10 or 15 police chiefs, a lot of different changes. And sometimes they say, what do you do? I'm a weatherman because at the ABC, things change in five minutes. And there's three people in the entire town who understand what's going on at that moment. And you're constantly trying to uh, come up with a solution to make the arts more vital in San Francisco, bring in you know, live music venues, bring fun places to San Francisco. And it's a, it's a good battle, but it's tough because it's always changing and you have a lot of competing forces that uh, either don't want entertainment in their neighborhood or you know, don't see the pur- purpose of an arts community or uh, entertainment community. Okay, I'm cutting you off. This good. one can talk for a long time. <laughs> Scott. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Scott Weiner. I represent uh, the central part of the city on the, on the Board of Supervisors, and I uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here today. And um, uh, I have uh, definitely made uh, nightlife and music uh, a real focus in office. And I just want to say a few things, Jocelyn. I Please think it's important to, to frame it and then, and then, uh, and then, and then listen. Um, so, you know, I, I think that uh, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here uh, about music and nightlife and arts being sort of the cultural heart uh, of the city in so many ways. And you look back uh, at for just decades and decades of what music, what nightlife have meant uh, to to the city in so many different levels in terms of shaping what the city is uh, today. <clears throat> but uh, unfortunately, and I think all too often. Um, the city has taken an approach of treating uh, nightlife and music as a problem to be managed. Uh, there's a problem. It's, it makes too much noise. People get drunk. Uh, people get rambunctious. It's all of the, 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 the problems or, or perceived challenges, and let's try to find a way to manage it. 
And so we end up uh, constricting it and constricting it and constricting it and having crazy zoning laws and crazy noise laws. And, and then ABC gets into the act, which is just, uh, just a, you know, ABC should be completely um, scaled back and more local control. It's ridiculous that ABC, ABC should even be entitled to have an opinion about what neighbors think of a uh, particular venue. That's a local matter. Yeah, um, and so it's this constant struggle. And so when I came into office, I, I really um, working closely with Jocelyn and Mark and others tried to say, let's reframe this. Uh, we all know intuitively, you know, why this is important. Um, we did uh, uh, right after I took office. We did an economic impact study showing that this is a 4.2 billion dollar industry that employs over 50,000 people. Uh, that gave impetus to hiring Ben and actually having someone in the city whose job it is to deal with economic development around entertainment uh, issues. And then we've been methodically trying to work um, uh, from from there. Um, we have uh, systematically been lo- taking a look at um, antiquated zoning uh, rules uh, that make it very, very hard to do uh, nightlife in the city or to get a, a liquor license. Uh, we've been taking a look at uh, antiquated rules around uh, m- around music and where you can have live music, where you can have DJs, and trying to, to liberalize um, uh, that. And I think we've had some success there. Um, we've been... Uh, working on different housing uh, issues, not just affordability and making sure that artists and musicians can continue to live in the city, uh, but as we start building more and more housing, because we need more housing, but you start having more conflicts uh, between housing and nightlife and music uses, and how do you uh, make sure that by building housing we're not obliterating uh, the, the music uh, scene? And then working around now, we've been working very hard on some nighttime transportation issues and actually trying to um, uh, have the city acknowledge that you have to actually have transportation at night because in the uh, you know it's really been this attitude that once six or seven o'clock rolls around everyone's asleep and uh, there's no need for anyone to get around. So we're trying to you know change that narrative and uh, look forward to the conversation today. Thank you so much. So um, again, what I like I said, I didn't really plan this as a panel per se. So I don't have a bunch of questions for the people sitting up here, but you might. And so I'm wondering if somebody wants to start this. If not, I mean, I can talk for so can Mark, so not a problem. Does anyone have a particular interest? Um, uh, Supervisor Wiener, you mentioned about something about a housing obliterating uh, music spaces, and that's actually happening with the Elbow Room, which is slated to close uh, next year and will be retired, replaced by not just regular condos, but retirement condos. Uh, I was wondering if you could comment on that. <laughs> I don't think that's quite right. But. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I've been hearing things about the elbow room building. I didn't know that there was an actual proposal uh, on the table. Um, I, I do have a lot of concerns around housing. Uh, um, so there's a couple of things. There's housing actually physically replacing uh, entertainment venues, and there's also just housing crowding around entertainment venues, and so people start to complain, and, and you have a slims kind of uh, situation. Um, I think at one point there was a plan to potentially develop the site of the Eagle, and that didn't go anywhere. Um, there was a lot of organizing uh, around that, and there can be a lot of uh, uh, organizing uh, around uh, these things. Um, that's not to say that there won't be situations. You know, there, uh, things do 
change, and there are times when, when venues uh, go away, but we know that these uh, venues, once they go away, they don't come back. And so um, I think around any of these projects, there's always opportunities to organize, uh, and I think that's incredibly important. I think it's important to realize you can't make art without a place to make it in or listen to it in. And it's as simple as that. We're in a we're in, you know, uncharted territory. San Francisco's become the richest city on the planet on certain levels, and it happened very rapidly in the last two or three years. For the last four months we've been the most expensive uh, apartments uh, over New York in the United States. And I think I'll throw something out to the audience, to Ben and, and Scott. Let's start looking at a place like the Elbow Room or somebody who's in sound trouble. Let's say Slim's. Uh, infrastructure, sound attenuation as city infrastructure, where you say, okay, we need rehearsal spaces, we need live music venues, we're going to build huge condos, this is such a popular city, the market guys always wins. If you've got billions of dollars being thrown into a city, you're going to have politicians listening, you're going to have everybody paying attention, but I think you can still keep and have a mixed-use district, but you've got to make sure that the condo dwellers don't hear your live music, and that's a matter of sound attenuation. And rather than $10 a foot sound attenuation, $200 sound attenuation, like it's a recording studio next to a second recording studio, and you're doing a violin concerto in one and a symphony orchestra in the other, and no sound bleeds. And I think if we, uh, if we start thinking about how we're going to maintain what we've got, how we're going to build new stuff in an environment where you're 55 cranes out there, guys... Big buildings. It's crazy what's going on. Well, so. and, I, and I'll also add that I think the deal with the elbow room, as I understand it, is that it's for Dennis and his wife to retire in. It's not actually a retirement, but it's housing nonetheless. So your point is made, obviously. Um, every situation is different. I deal with all of them because those are the venues that the Entertainment Commission permits and, and works with those permittees, and I work with neighbors as well. Um, every situation is different, um, but... I think that the most important thing that was just set up here is organization. And I think I might say this a whole shitload of times at you. Uh, Scott said it, the supervisor, sorry, said it to arts uh, groups, and he's saying it to you guys. If you don't organize, you don't have a voice in in City Hall. And that's kind of a bummer because everyone's really busy and you've got a lot of stuff to do. But you've got to get together. Even if you do EDM and you do classical and you're a producer and you're a what, venue owner, whatever it is, um, you've got to come together because there's a lot of weight in that. And, and the only reason we know about the elbow room and what the plans were is because the planning department forces this very long process uh, before something gets changed. And in that process are opportunities for groups like you, even just individuals, but frankly, more than that, groups like you to stick your hand in or your foot or your whole body and, and make yourself hurt. You may not win every time, but you make a point. And, and I think... I'm a nutbag. Like, I'm always like, wrong place, wrong people. Someone builds a fancy condo, you should have to fill out a survey. And if it's above a nightlife venue, you shouldn't be able to live there. Especially you have babies. Ben hates this because babies change everything. And Anyway, I mean, I, 
I think there's out-of-the-box stuff, but bottom line is whatever your ideas are, they're going to work better if you guys organize. As disparate a group of people as you are, as far as I saw, almost everyone here lives in San Francisco. If you want to stay here, you better think about this. So that's the question I have of, of we have this challenge of lots of investment coming into this town, and some of it's building places to live, and some of it's building office space, and some of it's building new entertainment restaurants and and so this challenge of the arch community isn't known for its finances um, and other than finding money to offset this what what can people do to to be involved in this dialogue I, I think it's I, I mean Jocelyn's right it's absolutely about being organized and I'll, I'll say I've I found it um, um, sometimes frustrating uh, that the I think the what, nightlife, entertainment, music, whatever you want to uh, call it, uh, uh, is it's not particularly uh, well organized politically. And there are different organizations that sort of play different roles at, at City Hall. <clears throat> um, but I, I don't feel like there is a, sort of this broad-based movement with. Um, you know, with an organization sort of speaking for this movement, turning people out. Uh, when when you have, um, whether it's a hearing at the Board of Supervisors or at the Planning Commission or before ABC, um, and you have, you know, neighbors who are impacted, let's say it's that kind of situation with noise, they, believe me, if they're having trouble sleeping at 2 in the morning, they're going to show up. They'll show up 20 times in a row. They're going to be very motivated. Um, and if all of a sudden you turn out 100 uh, people who are either in uh, the entertainment world or just care about having good entertainment, uh, that, that matters. It has a real impact. It's not enough just to sort of sit and be upset about it um, or to tweet or put on Facebook that you're pissed off about it. You know, people have to participate, and there has to be better organization, um, broad-based organization, because otherwise, you know, we're going to have a problem. Well, and the other thing... Think about that. I don't know how many of you are in bands, but I used to tell a band, I used to do booking in San Francisco, that if you bring 100 people consistently to a nightclub, which is not that many people really in the scheme of things, you're doing really well. Uh, If you can bring 100 people to a a hearing in City Hall, you will get what you want. Let me just tell you that. That never happens. 20 people. 20 people. How hard is that? It's not that hard. So don't consider this a challenge that is insurmountable by any means. And you don't have to activate people every week, for sure. And look at stuff that's already here. You know, let's not reinvent the wheel. Uh, CMAC has been struggling, but they're getting stronger and bigger. Uh, The Recording Academy and CMAC joining together in certain things. And I'm not sure about the membership for the Recording Academy. But there are groups out there who've been around a while and care about this Thing, and I think they need support to begin with. Right, or start your own. Because yeah. who cares? The, the other thing about organizing, which is really smart, is to get organized and align yourself and go to these meetings. But what you don't want to do is go there and be violently angry because that doesn't solve the problem. You have to be very smart about how you approach City Hall, the, all the other disciplines that you have to deal with. And there are a lot of nonprofits. Uh, Mark just mentioned two. I'm not sure if they're nonprofits, but a lot of organizations that you can align with that have financial muscle that can help you uh, go through the process of uh, meeting uh, people like uh, Representative Weiner. 
And, you know, uh, they also have money, which they can lend to you. So uh, be smart about it. There's easy avenues to get hurt. But, but the, the one thing I, I want to, I mean, yes, sadly, money matters in, in politics. It matters a lot less in local government. I'm not saying it doesn't matter at all, but, it, you know, pe- people matter more than money in, when you talk about especially local elections and especially uh, in San Francisco. And so... Uh, don't um, underestimate the power of organizing significant numbers of people, and not just people who are working uh, uh, in entertainment. That's important, but pe- all the people who care about it, the pa- you know, all the patrons, the people who want to be able to have these venues survive, organizing them and getting them involved too. Right. So, uh, on that note, and let me just reiterate, maybe that microphone should get behind the second row. But anyway. Um, that the supervisor will listen to any crazy idea. He, ask him how many times I'm like, oh, let's do this. And like sometimes he'll like do it. And so we we did, and we're in the midst of this, like, like we, are, we call it a late night transit planning. Like we, I want this integrated late night transit plan for San Francisco. And as so we had a hearing we had representatives from all the different transit agencies lots of different people who care about it and and more importantly people from workforce uh like, like side like people who said i can't find employees that can get to my job that starts really early in the morning and this is a fairness affordability i mean we can spin the story any way we want to it's not just about drunk patrons partying getting them up the street like that's my problem because that would make life better for me it's about a lot of things and so if there are out-of-the-box ideas don't just think oh that'll never happen i don't and i work in that goofy building over there with a dome on it i just say stuff and at some point, I'm going to get fired, and that's going to be okay. But you never know, because some of it actually works out pretty well. Um, and, and as we chip away, some of this stuff's really mundane and difficult, and it is about planning for fun. And so it turns out that a lot of my work isn't necessarily running to the you know, rescue like Mark does of a venue in trouble, but thinking about how the planning department is not going to necessarily build a building right next to a venue facing the wrong way that allows multifamily blah, blah, blah in it. Um, you know, what kind of things can we think about in terms of tax incentives? You guys are actually all connected to this tech sector, which we care about very much in San Francisco. Um, and there's a lot of money in this tech sector, um, but somehow no one's turned around to this tech sector and said, hey, how about supporting the arts? Not buying a painting for your big house, but supporting the arts, supporting music, supporting the things that you care about that brought you in this room today. Think about that. I know that's really hard, and it's hard to ask your boss for money, but like, why not just try it? The worst you can say is no. All right, anybody else? There's a, there you go. Hi, my name is Monica Salazar. I'm with the Electronic Music Alliance, and we're a nonprofit. Um, similar to what you were describing, we, we don't have a lot of money, but we are working with um, larger organizations and with the dance music community primarily. And I think the idea of working as a community and organizing is definitely what we're focused on as well. And what I would like to see is within our entertainment facilities and venues, you know, incorporating more harm reduction initiatives and 
talking about, you know, like how do we uplift, how do we create these spaces where we're bringing in music, technology, and like this forward movement rather than like doing the same old thing. And also eliminating the stigma of dance music just being about drugs because it's not. <laughs> I'd like to say something positive. You know, looking at it over a 30 or 40 year span, there are there's some positive things and this tech boom is really in a funny way seems to me to be positive and let me tell you why. All of a sudden I'm seeing Harvard educated young folks who understand nightlife being elected to the board of supervisors. Never saw that before. I'm seeing uh, all of a sudden I'm really good at, at uh, crafting li- uh, every ABC license has conditions on it. And you know there go, it goes through times but all of a sudden when they go out you don't have you do a mailing to 500 feet people with whatever. Instead of 15 neighbors jumping up and down, you don't get one. Or you don't, and I'm saying, where is everybody? And I think what's happened is younger, more affluent people, the, I think the younger folks, the town's getting younger really <clears throat> rapidly, they dig it. They understand that, yeah, you go out on a Friday night and you go to Slim's or you go to the chapel or you go to dinner over here and you want cool music. And the, the sort of lefty politics, it was an interesting article in the New York Times the other day, talking about the old lefty politics of San Francisco. It's still very liberal, but it's much more almost libertarian, it seems to me, where they're younger, they're richer, and they go, well, you stupid, why are you moving yourself next to Slim's? Go shut up, you know? And that's in the old days, is oh, one person complains, and it's like the, the world's got to come to an end, and, you know, <laughs> let's throw out 100 jobs in a 20-year-old venue that's nationally recognized for no other reason than you built a loft in an industrial area, a live-work loft that you don't work in. You know? So things are getting better on a certain level, but the real estate thing is is a problem, and the arts thing is a problem because artists tend to be lower income, and lower income folks are out of here. Have been, so. Right. So uh, there's I had, an idea. I had a quick question. Go ahead. Um, uh, in regards to what you had mentioned with the tech and entertainment and whatnot, what would you guys suggest, or how do you suggest we work as a community to really funnel the tech funds and whatnot and merge it with this music to create this new, you know, entertainment Look, that Big was thing. such a tee up. Thank God I did it. I did it right. It was like waiting for my moment. So one of the reasons that Mark is here um, is because he's involved in a very, very sort of embryonic stage plan to help um, rehearsal space that is closing on Jesse Street find new those musicians to find a new home uh, to rehearse it for a reasonable amount of money. Um, well, and, and I know that's been around for a while. That's a whole other project. But this place, on, it's on Sutter. And I guess I'm not sure how much I'm supposed to talk about it. But my point in bringing it up is that it's in a mixed-use area. There are two neighbors right next door. It's just really near the Regency Center. And it's a very active location. But there's still this sort of you know, hesitation around how we're going to do this and how we're going to raise money to soundproof the rehearsal spaces. Right now, there looks like there's 11 down in the basement. There is a desire to do more on the first floor, but there needs, there's the need for funding, uh, and, and this is just an example, again, of if you organize, you need an agenda. Don't organize for the sake of organizing. If you organize, have a group of, a list of projects, this is one of them, and if you are interested at all in helping uh, find some funds, and we're not even talking about very much, I don't know, under $100,000 um, to 
help open a new, a new space for musicians to rehearse in. And this is so bizarrely familiar because I, I know Kevin's back there. The first dot-com boom, that was a big issue. Rehearsal spaces went away. And, you know, long story short, there's very little of that money left over. But um, this is the same problem yet again, and I'm sure there's a lot of examples of that. But... Uh, that's just one thing you could certainly do. There's a lot of other ideas out there that maybe don't need like funding to get it built, but maybe funding from your tech company to create an agenda to to create to to create a series of I don't know PSAs. I don't know what you know. Come up with something that's sort of self-sustaining. Don't organize for the sake of it. But like Scott said, don't sit around a bitch and don't tweet nasty things. Find some solutions, as crazy as they might be, you know, whatever. The Twitter tax for musicians, you know, I don't know what it is. I, I think there should be set-asides with these new condos for musicians. I think that that's realistic. Why can't we do that? Well, you know, wade into the whole set-aside argument, and it's not so easy, but it sounds good. So those are the kinds of things you need to think about. The um, yeah, that the one project is very interesting. But why? I think let's start with the basics. Your Twitter just went public, and you you now have five million dollars sitting in a Dean Witter account. Okay, you can get a margin loan against it for two hundred two million five hundred thousand dollars. Write a check for today for two million five hundred dollars, and you're used to sleeping on a floor. Let's think ahead. Now, okay, you've got five million dollars. You can't find a house because there are no houses to buy. But what if you, assuming you get a house, you have a family, what do you want San Francisco to look like in 30 years? Why don't we start with a plan? We want San Francisco in 30 years to be still a vibrant arts community, still a vibrant musician town, and not where they're living out in the gold country and coming back in to play slims, but literally have rehearsal studio spaces and have the kind of fertile ecology that San Francisco's always had. This Look back on this thing from 1840 all the way to the present, with a few exceptions like the dot bomb, this has been a vibrant town with a lot of kooks, a lot of musicians, a lot of artists, a lot of people who are creative and talented. And the reason we have a booming tech industry here, rather than in Mountain View, is the young tech kids get the arts. They get the creativity. They get, uh, they get the, the creative class. They're part of a creative class. They want to be here, but there's nothing to rally around. If we had a plan in 30 years... And they go, wait, you're uh, veering from the, from the master plan, which is you're putting, a, you're putting a big giant condo next to Slim's. Uh-uh, not going to happen. But, or if you do it, it's not a, a Title 24, 35 dB separation, which you never do anyway. It's a 70, degree, uh, 70 dB separation between your condo and Slim's, which is across the street. And, you know, really start looking at how do we preserve these little jewels that are still here and how do we build new ones? Right. How do we make them happen again for your generation? Scott, you're just listening. Uh, I'm curious. Okay. Anybody who hasn't asked a question? Yeah, it just just occurred to me, do you guys, any of the three of you, have, like, um, dialogue going with local promotion uh, folks, promoters? Um, Because it just seems like promoters are these kind of gatekeepers, especially for up-and-coming bands. Mm -hmm. Um. I don't know if there's promoters in the room, but, like, I'm just wondering if there's any kind of dialogue going with promoters or, like, efforts to kind of 
you know, build alliances with promoters because they seem like they're a wealth of resources. Um, they're a bit of a gatekeeper for up-and-coming uh, talent. And uh, I just wonder if there's a way to work with promoters to really build momentum and try to channel more money into some of the things that you're talking about. I, te I tend to represent, you know, thinking back into, oh God, it must have been the early 90s, mid-90s, that's where I know Prem from, Toontown. Toontown was one of the hottest promotion companies in town. They could do a quarter-million-dollar door in the 90s, which is a lot of money, uh, doing basically techno music. And they would come to me, and it was like sometimes they didn't have money, and, but people would all go, go talk to Rennie, and I was always, you know, I would give them really cheap law just because I was fascinated, because this is the next thing, what's happening. And, and I think you're absolutely right. I think the promoters are, they tend to be, if you look at the big... If you look at a lot of the big club owners, they start off as promoters. Uh, right. Future Bars, which is one of the most successful bar groups in town, they were handing out flyers for a Wednesday night at uh, Club 6 10 or 15 years ago. Went across the street, built a place called A New, and now they probably do $15 million a year, $20 million, who knows. But they've, they've got some of the hot, you know, Bourbon and Branch and Local Edition and all that. That's all these guys that were promoters. They tend to, the good ones, keep going up. Well, there's one in the front row here. Flavor Group's pretty big, I think. Um, we do, of course, have dialogue with everybody, but we have to use it when we know what the message is that we're trying to push out there. And so, you know, in the event, obviously, that we need to, like, try to motivate a large group of people, or maybe, actually, and I've never asked, we say, when you're having one of your bigger events, you know, we want a piece for whatever it is. They're going to want to know what it is. So, again, we need the agenda here of what it is that we're after. But I think what Mark's saying about what's your vision of San Francisco, if you look back and you want to be nostalgic, that's great. But, frankly, there's a lot of people who just moved here, and there isn't any of that. It doesn't matter. What do you want? It, why did you come here? What, did, what was so attractive to you, know, to you to move here other than your job? What do you want it to look like? how then can you help protect those things that you came for? Because we're old, like older, or we keep getting older and older, and like you just have this really long view, and at some point you shrug your shoulders, and or you remember what used to be every time you drive down the road. That's not very useful. Think about what it is you want to see, and then, you know, we'll, we, we'll ask for it. Oh, you need the mic. It's behind you. Hi, everybody. Um, I, I, I didn't quite understand in the beginning, but I think I got a gist of it. So I, what you're almost proposing, Mark, was that developers would have to, when they're doing a building, have different DB levels as part of the condition of even creating that building in a certain zone. That, that seems like, you know, a, a pretty good idea because you know, artists are pretty broke, but mm -hmm. developers, if, if there's legislation that kind of makes them do that, that, that seems to make yeah. a lot of sense. What is the sort of possibility of getting that to happen? Because then there are those, those, those noise issues don't necessarily well, happen then, we're, right? I mean, we're taking a look at that on, on two levels. First of all, the, the sound insulation requirements um, and teeing off of the, how close they are to, to an entertainment venue. Um, also requiring... Uh, notification uh, that when you're whether you're renting or, or selling to someone to have the formal notification that there is a, a venue within however many uh, feet 
uh, so down the road, uh, you know, that won't stop people from complaining. People have very short memories. Um, but making sure that you at least have that, say, listen, you were f- formally notified. Um, but I do think that, uh, and we've seen this uh, just over and over, it never ceases to amaze me. It's not just about uh, music venues, that you have this new construction, and it's just shocking to me how bad the sound insulation is, just in general. Because we have, in my district, I represent, uh, among other neighborhoods, the Castro Upper Market area, and we have a bunch of new condo buildings going in there. And you go into some, some, and some of them, you go into one of the units, and you can hear everything happening out on the street. And it's just, it's, and it's all, it's about cutting costs, and uh, it's, we shouldn't be standing for that. And they ignore Title 24, which says there's supposed to be a, a 35 dB separation inside your space and outside your space that is built into it. And it's usually double pane glass and stuff. The building department didn't, you know, they didn't care. They never cared. Lawrence Cornfield, he cared. And every now and then if we knew something was going on, Lawrence would go out there and, oh, by the way, here's Title 24. We're going to make sure you comply. And all these people go, what? What? Well, but eventually, and I don't know if we've seen this yet, because uh, – uh, if, if when you have violations of the of the of the building code, um, uh, presumably I'm surprised there haven't been more lawsuits against the builders to say, you know, I now you know bought this and uh, I now can't sleep at night. I mean that's. Well, there aren't lawsuits because they call me in my office, <laughs> and then I and then I call Chris. <laughs> I call the venue owner and I go. Hey, turn it down. Like, we are charged as a government agency to mediate these disputes, even if I have to hold my nose when I do it, because there's no alternative right now. Uh, yeah, a couple things I wanted to say. I, I, I think that's totally the way to go, sound insulation. And, I, like, I was just at Mezzanine a couple days ago, and I see they're building a hotel directly across the alley. Mm-hmm. There's a hotel going up, and the rooms are, like, right-facing Mezzanine. And I'm seeing this going, this is going to be a fucking disaster. Mm-hmm. You know, like on a Saturday night when a dirty bird's doing their party and there's like bass rumbling out of there. So that's, that's like, that's of a real big concern, you know. Um, and then the other thing I want to ask, is there something going on with the independent? Are we losing the independent or is that no. hearsay? So, so the independent yeah. has a couple of projects that are coming up around it. Uh, and they're in the pipeline. And, and there's another little clue if you're wonky enough to give a crap about where all these buildings are going to be built. There's something called the pipeline report that comes out from the planning department every quarter. And, and it's long before anything shovel in the ground, anything visible is there. But you can take a look at, at those projects if you're curious. Certainly if you operate a venue like you do and you want to know what's coming up around you, long before you're physically going to see it, well, okay, you can take a look at those. Socket Site is another website that people use to see sort of what in the very early stages um, might be coming up around you. And and the Entertainment Commission, we do an annual summit. And last year, and we probably will do it again this year, we focused on how can venue owners uh, and and operators uh, prepare themselves for... Uh, what might be coming. They can't stop it necessarily. They don't always want to stop it. But how can they prepare themselves uh, with the knowledge and knowing what the process is and getting involved in the process and making sure that... And I think the answer with um, Mezzanine as well as I know with the Independent is that they are at this very early stage getting involved with with the project. Because what we're 
we've I've found in some meetings that I've been to with developers is there the developers aren't mean and nasty and like we use them like a swear word and it's not really true they they just don't know what they don't know and so they're not here in the room they have their own conferences you know and they actually want the what they build to be lucrative but also people to be happy in them and they're not necessarily going to throw up the cheapest thing if they understand that they're going to end up selling and then these people in there are going to be really unhappy. That's bad for them. So more of those conversations need to be had, certainly. Um, and they can be had when a venue operator knows what's coming and gets involved in a literally three-year at the base of it uh, process through the planning department of what, what is it, how many rooms and you know how tall and shadows and wind and... Soundproofing design and a, little, and a million things. So um, we're not losing the independent. The independent's going to have a lot more neighbors. Whether that's a bad thing or a good thing, maybe they'll have more patrons. I don't know. Hey, sorry. So this is maybe more of a social commentary about the city in general. And we do, we are very lucky and we have an incredibly vibrant nightlife here. And, you know, it's great. Um, but you look at what kind of events the nightlife is really having around here right now, and it's a lot of dance music and it's a lot. Boring. Of, I, I I don't. I'm not here to judge because <laughs> everyone has I'm different. Boring. But you know, there's there's <laughs> venues like 1015 Mezzanine that draw hundreds and thousands of people like every weekend. You know, they keep people's attention. Um, but then you look at like you know, I'm biased. I'm a rock musician. I've been playing rock music in the city for since I was 2005. You know. Um, and it's ebbed and flowed uh, as far as how we can find venues and places to play. But recently, it's incredibly downturned. And you look at the, you know, like Slims is great. I love playing at Slims. But I can't always play there. Uh, it's not a feasible place for a local band to so play. So am I hearing the I have no place to play complaint? No, 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 no. no. Is that I'm, what you're What saying? I'm saying is that, is that you look at the social makeup of the city and it's rapidly changing. Mm-hmm. And how do we necessarily preserve what has been local rich live music scene because the middle of the pack venues for a lot of places people and that really has harvested that rock music scene you know i'm going to give you the answer and i know sterita is going to tell you the answer and tom murphy knows the answer here's the answer it's a it's a baby answer it's not the only answer there's a permit that we created called a, a limited live performance permit it's called an llp and it's really easy to get and it's really cheap relative to the other kinds of permits for music and it could go almost anywhere in the city and you as a musician or a neighbor or someone who cares about seeing live music can go into any cafe restaurant bar some business that's primary business that is not entertainment and have them add this as entertainment, but help them. Just getting a permit doesn't mean they know what to do with it. So on November 17th, the Entertainment Commission and the Small Business Commission are doing a little um, workshop for people who are interested in this uh, about how, what's a PA? How do you book a band? Where do I find a band? Like, how, how does this work? Like, how do I pay them? It's like really basic stuff. How do I promote? Uh, but LLPs can go anywhere. They should be all over the place. LLPs allow people to uh, have entertainment as an accessory use, and then it only goes to 10 p.m. initially, and then without any complaints, they can go to 11. Typically, that's fine because, again, it teaches someone who's not in the music business how to 
add something and give you more stages to play on. That's one answer that's really viable and, and that comes through the Entertainment Commission or you love or the Recording Academy. These guys can all help you figure out that. Do you have comments about this issue of where do local musicians play? Well, you know, <clears throat> I think what we may see is I was involved pretty much from the ground up on the chapel on Valencia Street. And people said, how the hell did you do that? Because literally you can put a thousand people in that, in that footprint and the parking lot next to it, next to Tacalicious, has a liquor license on it. So one of these hot days you're going to see 500 people sitting in, a, in an outdoor beer garden. What well, took that? Was that sneaky. How'd you do that? Well, don't tell anyone your secret. <laughs> no, it's just like, you know, just ask, you know, ask for what you want. There you Smile go. at them. Make them your friends. Send them the best Christmas card they ever get. You're amazing. You know, you can get things, you know, licensed. But um, that happened. But that happened because there was a, a developer who was 55 going on 12, and he thought it'd be cool to have a, have a live music venue. So we got it through. It was a big permit hassle. Made the neighbors happy. But... I looked at it. It's not easy to run that venue. I said, look, Jack, if you ever listen to anything I do, bring Slims in here, bring Dawn Holiday in here for a year, have her run it, because you have not a clue about security. You don't have a clue about booking. Live Nation and uh, Ape will eat you for lunch. And all of a sudden, now, a year and a half later, I think it's the best venue in town. And the guy is totally committed. He just did the... Um, for Litquake, he did the, the, the pub crawl, one of the busiest nights ever. And he was so happy because it was all like, invite all the literary folks in town and come and have a party. It was amazing. And he's saying, this is what I want. I, I don't want just live music. I don't want EDM. I want everybody in this community right. to come together and have a really right. vibrant um, sort of place that isn't just dance music or isn't just drinking at bottle service and stuff. And uh, Jocelyn and I are involved with the sight and sound. We have something called the 90s, and that's the whole point. Give them awards for creative content. Right. You if you know? don't know what this is, it's, I'm going to do a plug. It's the 90 Awards. It's N-I-T-E-Y Awards. And no, it's not a negligee. It's the Nightlife Awards for San Francisco. And we are giving awards to celebrate creative content um, and patron experience. So what we're trying to do is pick out not the most popular place at all, but the place that thinks about its patrons and the people, the people that think about the the creative content. Monarch won a ninety award, and you were pretty happy. You were stoked about it. <laughs> um, and it's a really fun show. It's on March second at the Regency. You guys are totally welcome to come. Uh, buy a ticket. Um, it's like basically like the Grammys, like crossed with the circus and a strip club together. It's really <laughs> fun. It's completely bananas. Scott always presents an award with a drag queen or a midget or something. Um, but but it is really important again to think about the the differentiation. The reason we have some nightlife sort of hubs that are really thriving and some that aren't like Broadway um, are because there's a like a a mixture and a difference in the kind of entertainment even from one you know door to the next. There's a a mixture that's healthy. That means you can go eat dinner here and go get a drink before that here and then go dancing afterward and then find some place else to go. And we still do. And I was just kidding about the boring. I love San Francisco nightlife, obviously. It's what I do every day. It's not really boring, but sometimes it's hard to find. And I think that's part of the issue. And so that's a tech idea 
up all night, I guess, or something. Um, it's hard to find. There's tons of stuff going on. But we lost the Guardian. Boo. And we don't have a good central location to find out what's going on. So that's there's tons happening here. And if it's about finding spaces to match the really cool idea someone has with the space, talk to me. I'm sure there's someone who has an app for that. I don't know. But, but like, let's do it. And let's use our promoters. Let's use our promoters better to take a little piece of what goes in their pocket and give it back to community. Somebody, you know, just do this. And build a better San Francisco. 1987, the, the, uh, federal, the federal marshal down at Baker Beach basically kicked out Burning Man when there were 300 people. And Freddie's been there since day one with Burning Man. You know, so he... Uh, but look what has happened, and now it's up there. These, these tech companies are coming in there and spending half a million dollars doing right. some extravaganza out <clears throat> in, the playa, in the middle of the playa, you know, next to, the, uh, next to whatever. And it's like if, if we have a vision for a lively, crazy San Francisco for the next 30 years, how do we do that? How do we, you know, I, come to me. I can get the chapel. You got a good idea, and it's crazy. I can get the chapel for you. That's an, and, you know... Jack will go for it. Certain, uh, certain club owners won't go for it. Jack Knowles will go for it. And, you know, we're losing the artists. We're losing the cheap things. I remember something Freddie did one time at Club 9. He came in. It was a big room, maybe three times this big. He brought in how many tons of sand, Freddie? Two tons. Two tons of sand. He built a, a 3X scale lifeguard stand where he looked like he was like a midget. He's sitting on a lifeguard stand. And, and then my friend Dan, who, who was a lighting designer on many movies, came in and lit it like Malibu Beach at sunset. And everybody came that day in, in their swimsuits and hung out. What was it? Are we really at the beach? It was amazing. It was crazy. He didn't make any money. We didn't, you know, we probably made no money. But it was so amazing. But, but again, so, happen, like, right. But yeah. for, for the purposes of, like, even branding, lose some money once in a while. Yeah, right. Go crazy. Make San Francisco this totally crazy place where people blow their fingers off at SRL. Like, I, I lived here. There was some crazy shit that happened in this town. Now, I don't We have the, a government official. Shell up here, so you probably shouldn't blow shit up. But, <laughs> but you know. Why don't we get some more questions? <laughs> Can we bring back the acid test? <laughs> Go ahead. I, I just had a question here, and I want to avoid going down the rabbit hole of the cacophony society in the past. I want to Thank talk you. about yeah. where we are right now. Um, I've lived on Petrero Hill since the early '80s. Uh, speaking of contractors who cut corners, uh, there is no I- sound isolation inside my walls. It was built to code as far as maybe the building inspector didn't catch what happened before the wall, drywall was put up quickly in a lot of places. Um, there is a restaurant um, bar venue on the corner of 18th and Connecticut that I have watched change hands at least a half a dozen times. Started to change hands when they had a little nightlife being one of the few bars on Petrero Hill. And they had a DJ booth in the back and neighbors started to complain. They lost the ability to have a DJ entertain people while they were at the bar. It's gone from Thai food to sushi to Peruvian now, the new owner. Um, It affects their ability to do business, whether they can have their venue work or not. My question is, and, and maybe this is something, there are other things I could talk about, but I just want to focus on the, the, the question of in sound isolation. 
because I had studios and offices at 69 Green Street. And it would cost millions today to build the kind of sound isolation that are in those studios. You have double locked doors, you have triple pane windows, you have tons of insulation, sound baffling. It costs a lot of money. What could the city do to mitigate, I, I hate to use the word tax break, to, but to mitigate the costs of sound isolation so that there's an encouragement, there's an incentive for people to build things up to code and if they're looking to have a venue with live music, what could you do to um, make it so they're not putting a DJ booth next to a single-pane window? window? Well, I mean, I think there are things uh, that can be done, and I think there are two things. There's the new construction, but there's the existing uh, uh, venues or, or bars, ranging from the big ones to the small ones. Uh, and, and so um, conceivably, the city could provide uh, incentives, whether it's, through, um, whether it's through tax breaks or um, a revolving low-interest loan fund, like we do with small businesses. Um, there could be various possibilities. Uh, I think we'd have to get our heads around what the, what the actual uh, cost is. I imagine that there are some venues where even some small things, uh, putting in double-pane windows, doing some lesser kind of sound insulation could be enough that it's not going to really bother the neighbors uh, anymore. There are other venues where I can imagine it being um, unbelievably expensive uh, to retrofit it uh, properly. Uh, And so um, that's something we can um, take a look at. um, And I've been actually, as we're sitting here today, I've been thinking about that. Um, But I think we'd have to really get our heads around what the magnitude is. The other thing is with city um, taxes, our business tax... Uh, right now when we're transitioning, it used to be that uh, it was you paid the city business tax. If it was a payroll tax, you had to have at least $250,000 in annual payroll. We're now transitioning towards a gross receipts tax where you have to have at least a million dollars in gross receipts annually to pay business tax. So for um, there are going to be employers who, not, who don't hit the threshold of uh, even paying city business taxes, and it's hard to give a tax break to you know, some of these smaller uh, venues that aren't paying city taxes uh, to begin with. Um, but uh, we'll t- we're going to take a look at it, talk, see what might be possible. See? That's amazing. And it is all about sound. Believe me, I've been in more sound wars. Right. It's unbelievable. And, and if we can, I have, this, it'll be interesting to see this 1200 Sutter uh, project. Because he swears we got a very cranky neighbor. We know they've sued uh, the Regency for noise. We know they've gone after Mays. He didn't want to take the building. And I said, look, uh, if we can't get the musicians in here, you still can make money on this building with just doing whatever's available. But we're going to build some sound, sound studios down there. And it's all isolated boxes within boxes. He says he can do it cheap. And he's done, you know, he's done this. He's got 90,000 square feet of these things. And, you know, as a prototype, but also... You know, maybe take it up a level. I think sound attenuation, tax rebates for sound attenuation, like like Scott said, loan funds, this and that. Let's do that because that's what kills venues. That's what killed Club Nine. Right. Chris Isaac was too loud, and there was a motel next door. We used to buy out the motel, and finally, it was just too much. And then they, they shut us down. Right. The police shut us down. I think that also it's really important to remember that the whatever solve 
comes through this conversation, hopefully there'll be more than one, that it looked at not only the source of the noise, but also the receiver, because the, you stood up and you're the receiver occasionally of noise, but you have a certain sensitivity towards the source. You don't want to make the source go away necessarily. You just want to all get along. So that we do fixes for both the residential and not just new construction, but retrofit construction as well as the source of the noise. And, you know, work with me, obviously, if they're way out of compliance with the noise ordinances, but we are real because in reality, buildings aren't built to code all the time. And in reality, Venues don't always keep to the sound decibel that they're supposed to. That's real on the street. So we need to find fixes for those situations, you know, uh, that that we can from both the source of the noise and the receiver. Because it's really, that sounds stupid, but that's my issue. I'm always going right after the source. And the receiver gets to shrug and go, oh, I'm the resident and I vote for my politician and so you have to do what I say. Not so much. Let's find a fair space for these. So I think we're out of time, or two, we have two minutes. I can take one more question from someone who hasn't asked one, or we can be done. So, you know, as Sorry. we're, and as we're wrapping, up, uh, wrapping this up, you know, um, I would like to see more forums like this, you know, beyond today's San Francisco Music Tech Summit, you know, between us guys in the industry, from promoters to creators. When are you going to put it on? <laughs> we'll I'll be go. there. Yeah, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, you know, um, I'm hoping to see like more of this happen. Probably, you know, especially as you know, we're still trying to figure out, you know, it's also we should include like some of the developers too. Email me. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Right. One more. Quick. Hurry up. Hurry up. Um, I'm just wondering if um, outdoor concert venues have the same restrictions as indoor concert venues. Like, and I'm also wondering if that, if they do have the same restrictions, if it implies that outdoor concerts are kind of diminishing. Well, we I mean, we have a lot of outdoor music festivals and performances, uh, whether it's various ones in Golden Gate Park or in Dolores Park or at Stern, Stern Grove. Uh, we did, you know, Stern, Stern Grove uh, went on the road this year, and so we had one in Noe Valley. And, and I think if you... Um, if it, it, I think because they tend to be... It's like a one-off kind of thing or, or a certain limited number, you, you know, you, you put the notice out, you know, people... You're always going to have some people who are going to complain, but I think there's more of an understanding that we're having, uh, you know, this live performance at the Noe Valley Town Square on this Sunday afternoon, and people just deal with it the same that they deal with the fact that we have music at the Castro Street Fair or at Folsom Street Fair or at Pride. Um, I think if it's sort of a predictable kind of thing, people can deal with it. So I think we are. My sense is that we have a pretty good. Um, amount of the, those outdoor performances. Also, in, I was at a live performance of, uh, from a local band at McLaren Park. And so I, because of, especially I think because of our park system, and we do, San Francisco, 14% um, of the land mass of San Francisco are San Francisco city parks. I'm not including the Presidio and the federal properties, 14%. So we have some real large parks. And actually for outdoor performance, it's sort of perfect. Because in some of these parks, like a McLaren or a, or a Golden Gate Park, you can just like hibernate like into the middle of the park and no one's going to even hear you. 
All right, so I'm sorry we have to cut this off, but we are getting kicked out. So everyone, will you please thank these guys? Have a great day.